This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Tony Leonard. Welcome to the Fam Electric Ghost podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Senor Phantom Electric Ghost. <laughs> so I want to let people know we are a featured podcast <clears throat> on the Newsly platform. You can see that icon up there that says Listen on Newsly. And for the audience, if they use coupon code GHOST, they can get one month free premium subscription. Uh, so they can listen. That's an audio-only platform. We are a featured podcast. You'll be able to listen to that sometime tomorrow or later tonight. And then the other thing is we're actually at episode 996 of the podcast, uh, tracking on Apple Podcasts since uh, 20, 2016. And today we're, <laughs> we're going to talk about holistic career coaching. And we've also got your website up, and that's that will be fully clickable. That's Tony Leonard uh, Coaching.com forward slash services. Again, that will be fully clickable on all the major platforms that we're on. Once the podcast is published, you'll be able to click through on that. So um, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing again? <laughs> I'm great. Uh, I am excited to be here. Got a chance to listen to some previous shows and uh, really exciting, cool guests. So I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, it's fun to um, you know talk to people around the world. And you're a career coach who works with creative professionals. And that's been my kind of area. We started this podcast in 2016, primarily dealing with singer-songwriters. And then we moved into actors and poets and other types of creative people, film directors. But lately, we've been talking to all kinds of people, and we're expansive. In, in, in the nature of our expansion is in our music, we do multiple genres: punk, rock, folk, um, hip hop, everything, and jazz. Cool. And so we decided when we did a podcast, we should do the same thing. And so we decided, like, we're we'll not only talk to musicians, but we'll talk to life coaches, therapists, CEOs, everybody. And so the common yeah. thread has been creativity or the idea that, you know, even if you own your own company, you're creative, you're a life coach, you're creative, you're an author, you're a mentor, you're creative. So yeah. that's, that's the common thread that we try to try to thread the needle, but you've been 13 years in helping people with professional pathways and creative people. So maybe you can talk about your background to the audience and kind of give them like a, like your elevator pitch. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so like you said, been doing this work, helping people with their professional pathways for now 14 plus years. Um, about 10 years ago, I started a music art, artist management company. I thought I was going to take uh, a band, you know, and, and take the next strokes or something to the, to the heights of musical fame and glory. Um, that did not happen, but I learned a lot about uh, working with artists and um, I've always loved music. I play a little bit uh, and, and I love creativity and I love the broad definition that you, you bring that you just stated. That's also how I think of creativity is bringing something new into the world. Um, it's such a vulnerable act, whether it's a business a song, a poem, uh, it, it, you you bring something new and personal into the world you're 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 opening things up to get criticized you know possibly embarrassed uh and yeah. and especially in the capitalist <laughs> system that we live in 
uh, art creativity is not uh, not something that is prioritized to, to say the least. Uh, so I, I would while while I was doing artist management, um, I realized that as much as I wanted to help the bands and artists that I was working with, you know, make an extra five percent at a show like that's that wasn't where my heart was at my heart was at helping people um develop as people grow uh as people as as musicians as artists um and more broadly tap into more financial success uh and mm-hmm. as, as an individual um and and so you know i four years ago i started the, this co- current company I'm working with um, creative professionals and and helping people who are who are creative in different ways and helping them get paid well uh, and also um, live better. I mean, uh, my, my yeah. litmus test is to increase joy and decrease suffering. And uh, if I can do that with, with a client, then uh, I've been successful. I think that's where a lot of people, you know, a lot of people um, that are creative, it, it's kind of a hard thing when you get that spark. You know, I've met a lot of people that it's hard to actualize because a lot of times you get these creative people, like they never show their work. Right? I, I've dealt with painters and they're like, they got this amazing work and they're too scared to show it. Or I've talked with songwriters that just want to, they have all this great work, but they want to clone whatever's hot. Right. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'd rather hear the song you're so scared to show anybody and work on that because I yes. feel that really makes, makes you who you are. Right. Because mm-hmm. in Taylor Swift, Beyonce, these people are already out there. So if you just try to run the algorithm and match to get a billion views, does that really give us anything that we really want? You know, it, it may be, that's the problem I see with a lot of people today. They, they use AI, they use, you know, cloning stuff. Uh, sampling and i'm i'm a i'm a keyboard player and i've got all my mugs and my rollins and stuff and that's not the game people play anymore it's like oh just cut and paste use ai you know use sampling nobody wants to actually play for five minutes hand play something play the bass play the keyboard they just want to move things on the bars and try to get whatever the algorithm is going to push and to me I'm, i'm a child of the 70s i'm a child of listening to vinyl you know, we're listening to like, you know, progressive rock bands, punk bands, funk bands, you know, uh, you know, people who were jam bands, like the Allman Brothers, you know, dead, <laughs> you know, stuff like yeah, that, yeah. you know, love it all. Modern mm-hmm. day, like, like better, Eddie Vedder and Pearl Jam, people go see him every night because he changes the lyrics, like the way Dylan used mm-hmm. to do. Dylan, he would go mm-hmm. and read, sing Idiot Wind three different ways. And so mm-hmm. you would go mm-hmm. one night and he'd, as a different character or a different passage. So to me, that that's the point. Like why why go to a show and have somebody hit the box on their DAW in Ableton Live kicking out what I hear on the record when I'd rather go see you actually reinterpret it and feel the audience. And that's where I think a lot of people say it's like missing the boat of like just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That is the truth. I mean... I would say, I don't know if most, but definitely many of the best shows I've been to, best bands I've heard, never 
became popular and well known nationally or internationally. I mean, uh, there's so much music and art that's in the pocket that is just missed. Um, and I think you like yeah. to me, there's two keywords that when you were talking come up is like vulnerability. When you're talking about that song, let me let me hear that song that you haven't played for anyone else and authenticity and saying, don't show up like somebody else is showing up, show up like you show up. And that's scary. That's scary. That's yeah. where, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't really want to give you this song that I I haven't played for anyone else. There's reasons why I haven't given, you know, given it to anyone else. But that's oftentimes where the juice is. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, people. So one of the things that, that I need to do is help people build a structure of confidence so that they can move that into a marketplace or a job search. And you have to build up a, a, a foundation of confidence in order to say, hey, I am going to move this forward. I'm going to give this to people. I'm going to, I'm going to put my, I'm going to actually use it in some way to get a job. Um, and uh, there's, there's many different ways to do that. I think one of the, one of the key things that I start with is a, is a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't, I haven't put my song out into the marketplace successfully yet. Like that yet is a key word rather than like, uh, the a fixed mindset which is I, I was just not born i don't have the dna to put music out into the world <laughs> and be successful professionally you know it's like no like if you if you work at it for the next five years you're probably going to get better than where you're at now you know yeah. you might not be beyonce like let's let's really look at the yeah. the reality of 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 the expectations and risk and um, probability of success, but if you work on something for five years, you're going to, you're going to get better at it. So that's, you know, and, and then also how do you build confidence? You connect with other people. You find, you find your people. Life is a team sport and resources. People can be online. They can be, uh, people in your life, but starting to tune into the people that are giving you positive feedback and tune out to all the messages that are saying, uh, you can't do it like that. That's another way you start start to build that framework, a foundation of confidence. Yeah, what I found, you know, I've been playing. I'm 56. I've been playing since I was 17. Most of the guys that I started with when I was 17, if they didn't make it by their 21, they stopped. And I kept on going because I I love I like to play. I like to yeah. write. Now, yeah. now the thing is, is like if you measure. All my songs, I got tons of. I mean, I've got probably like five thousand records, right? And I'm, a, I start, I, I write all my stuff. I'm in BMI. Now, whether or not I'm not a household name, but I've had Grammy award-winning producers talk to me and like my stuff. So, there's, there's, there's to me that was like the acknowledgement of a couple of t- these two Grammy award-winning producers. They actually came to me and talked to me out of nowhere and said they like what I was doing. That showed me I was like, maybe I'm going on the right track if they see something in what I'm doing, right? And even then, whether they liked it or not, I was still going. But the whole point is that <laughs> if you put something into the yeah. world, then yeah. people come to you, right? And I have had opportunities to get into licensing and work on, you know, video games and different things. But it's like, because I put it into the world. 
if I kept on yeah. saying, well, I don't know if it's good enough. And sometimes it's like, it's like being present and showing up. It's kind of like the podcast. Mm-hmm. If you think about the podcast world, most podcasts fail after 12 episodes. I'm at 996. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not the biggest yeah. guy in the world, but in some places, but, I'm in, I'm in the, wait, like, let's you know, just 10, take a time out. And can I just say, Congratulations for 996. I can't wait till you get to a thousand, but that that's one of those things where you gotta like celebrate. You gotta be like 996 episodes that you put out in the world. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but sometimes I just gotta say, hey, wait a second. You know, you need to go out. Like what I would do with 996 is I would go get myself some peanut M&Ms. Like that's my that's my jam. That's my thing. I don't know what your thing is, but I, I hope today you go out and get celebrate a little bit, you know, because that is it's an incredible accomplishment and then people can be inspired by that. So I just want to, we got to take a time out and acknowledge that. Yeah. But, but the whole point is, is this showing up because my grandpa was a coal miner and like every day you show up and you do that kind of work, like whether it's yeah. a coal miner work or whatever, it's like whatever you're moving a broom, as long as you're doing it's all work is valuable. Right. So if you start to value yourself, like if you get this limiting belief that somebody said you're not good enough, your dad said you're not good enough. You can't ever do that, or you can't get into this. You can't do that. You, you know that's the problem. The, it, like if you, once you get the confidence, and you have you go overcome your limitation of your own glass ceiling, then you get opportunities. I get like opportunities. People call me all the time, at, just because I'm out there and I'm present, and so things happen at different levels, and and you can have success. But if you measure your success based on somebody else, then you're probably going to get disappointed. Like if you measure yeah. every day that's incremental what you can actually do, the fact that I know I can continue to write and I continue to do things and I know I can sustain it, then I'm going to get progress because until I'm gone, there's always going to be progress. That That's the way I look at things. Yeah. Two, two things you just mentioned are huge. One is, Comparison most of the time is going to kill momentum. You start to compare yourself to other people. That's just, uh, that's a death sentence most of the time. Um, Sometimes it can be helpful, but when you start to get into, oh, this person's here and this person's here. I do it. We all do it. Oh my God. I'm doing it like all day today. But (laughs) I'm, I'm also conscious of the fact that I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Like I'm where I'm at. And uh, and like you were saying, the second point is like, I got to focus on the things that I can control. I can't control, you know, how good Tony Robbins is doing, how many books that dude is selling. Um, I need to focus on my coaching and, and think about how do I affect the the world and impact people's lives in, in, a, in a different, unique way. And what are the what are the particular things that I um and if you focus on those things uh you give yourself a better opportunity to be successful um and the last thing on that is uh you mentioned that your grandfather was a coal miner it's like i tell people especially creative people like doing creativity professionally uh you got to show up like with a with a um a kind of working class work ethic and you got to bring your 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 hard hat and your lunch pail to work yeah. and show up every day and do your job. I yeah. think uh, it's Chuck Chuck Close, the painter, uh, 
said that basically said that I'm, I'm stealing from him. So I want to give him credit. Uh, but, but you show up every day and you do your work, you know, you, you play for you. It's like you play your music every day it gets better. Um, and a lot of times people just think about music and art as like, you're just one day you're inspired to write a symphony, you know, and it just hits you. Yeah, and then for the next two days, you're just in a mode of manic writing a symphony, and then it's done. You know the yeah, the muse the muse yeah. is left, but it's like no 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 no, show up every day, put your butt in a seat, and do the work. Well, yeah, it's, I mean it's kind of like that workman, like at a Bruce Springsteen point of view, he had this kind of blue collar attitude, but he put a lot of work in. Like if you yeah. look at what him and the East Street bands like. And Dylan, like Dylan would be at his typewriter when he was that big pink with the band. He's in there just jamming it out. And, you know, I would listen to like the full basement tapes. It's like eight hours long. They put in so much work. And people don't always see the work that artists do. And some people, they can have a flash in the pan. But usually it is the kind of workman. Like if you look at a guy like Prince, Prince put down tracks almost every day. Yeah. Every day of his life, he was putting down tracks. Hendrix yeah. was putting down tracks all the time. If you look at a lot of my, my idols, they just put down tracks. It was a lot of work. And then you get the successes, you get the, the brilliance because of the amount of work they put in. It's like that 10,000 hours that somebody puts into that you know, three-point shot. Musicians and artists, it's the same thing. If you put the work in, it just starts to have dividends. Yeah. Like if, if that's the way I look at it. And people have to work men like, it's like, yeah, there's some people that inspire to walk in the woods to walk. Yeah. You get different, different inspirations, but there's a, there's a certain level of skill you kind of have to build up and be dedicated and dedication to your craft. And it's also believing in what you're doing. And what, if you, and if you have fun, my whole thing is like, why do it if it's not fun? Like if, yeah. you're, if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, the fun is is super key, um, and also it's not going to be fun every day. Uh, but if, if if it's giving you, if it's bringing you joy, yeah, you know, most of the time that you're doing it, and usually the the, the stuff that isn't fun is all the stuff that you have to do to to make yeah. it, make you it know, work. make it work and 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 get paid for it, you know. Yeah, but if you're, <laughs> <laughs> this is the hard part, and uh, you know, like that's that's why I have a job. Like it's not easy, and you know it, it, it takes support. It doesn't have to be me, but it definitely takes support. Well, the career challenges that creative professionals have, I think, a lot of times is, you know, a lot of people just want to clone and copy, and you and have that formula. And what I found with creative people, they kind of live on the bleeding edge. So what happens with the people you're living on the bleeding edge? Most of the stuff you put out, people are like I don't, they don't know what to do with it. Right. So they look at it and say, well, that's not this, that's not that. They don't know what to do with it. So a lot of times with creative people who are super creative, they have a hard time trying to like, okay, well, I got to tone it down or I got to package it this way. And I got to find a way to get people to understand it because that's what seems to be. There's like a disconnect between the the work you're putting out and then people are like, oh, it's not, that's not right. That's not good. Is that maybe you can kind of speak to like, well, how do you help people with, you know, that kind of issue? Um, 
Well, b- before I address that, I, I, you made a point earlier that I, I want to go back to just really quickly, and then I, then I can address that. But you were talking about how many hours musicians and artists put in, uh, and and how we just see the tip of the iceberg, and like there is a giant iceberg of work that, like for for you mentioned Prince Dylan, uh, th- those guys uh, they're they're putting in so much work, and we only see a little bit, and I, and I think. Um, I read a quote recently, like, if you work hard, I think this was Biz Stone, founder of Twitter. Uh, if you work hard for super hard for 10 years, you know, then you're an overnight success. People yeah. <laughs> like, people see <laughs> like the, the part where you're, <laughs> where you make it and you hit, you know, but it took like 10 years of behind the scenes work where nobody gives an F about you and, and, you know, you're just slogging through the mud. And I'm not saying that it takes 10 years uh, all the time, but that it's, it's good to be reminded that, that uh, and that's something that I help people with is, is let's, let's think about the long game. What, what, what if we take a moment to take a deep breath and think, okay, our society really, values speed and you know by 19 you're supposed to start facebook and be a billionaire uh most people it takes an entire life to perfect perfect a craft um or to add add value to an organization um and and so i i like to just help people gain that kind of perspective and say hey wait a second like let's let's slow down let's incorporate some mindfulness let's 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 think about the long term how you want your your career to unfold um and yeah that's one of the the kind of conversations that i have frequently with clients yeah because um you know in my day job i'm a software designer or developer Mm -hmm. analyst i've been doing it since the 90s now i'm a consultant and i found a place that i felt more comfortable there because i want to be able to do my art so yeah. I have a good day job. <clears throat> it's better than most artists' day job because it pays pretty big. So I yeah. can kind of do so. I can buy the Moogs. I can go and buy my the, the sense and the equipment I want to get the sound I want because I'm kind of a control freak. So I'm able to get the sound and use the equipment I want to get to the – and I have a very good idea of what I want to do with my art. Just like when I'm doing software design, I have a very good idea of what I want to do. So I'm able to kind of push things. In, in, in a way that I don't have to accept the, the the people who don't want that cutting edge thing. Like I'm able to kind of do it because I, I can afford to do it. <laughs> so, so this is like, like you have to kind of put, put yourself in a situation. Do you want to be a starving artist? Do you want to be a, a somebody, a living artist? Can you actually find a way to live as an artist? Yeah. And that's, that's huge as an artist that artist that question of like just how are you going to make money let's be real like and and for a lot of artists that means different streams of revenue uh that means side hustles that means like the full-time job and you know it, it can look a lot of different ways and um one of the things that i try to help people with is thinking really expansively like what are what are the, all the possibilities that you could be doing right now to bring in revenue? 
Um, what, what are you good at? You know, um, and like in your example, you're good at software and writing code and, and, and building, uh, building out programs. That's fantastic. Right. Like you, you are, you're able to leverage a different skill to make money that then allows you to, to do the art. And to, and you know, like you say, you're a control freak, but really what I hear is like, you just want your sound to be like spot on the way you want it. Like you want to get it precise. I love that. Like if you're not out there with the expectation that you want your sound to be precise or your writing to be precise and precisely like who you are, what you want it to be, uh, you know, that that's part of, that's part of being a good good artist, a good creator is to get that precision in, in what you want it to be. Uh, yeah. Yeah, when and, you, and, yeah. I mean, it's like when you identify like what is your, 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 the parameter of your art, right? If you're, if you're a musician, like what is Phantom Electric Ghost? Like, right. So what is your brand? Like, so I kind of, def I have an idea what that is and I'm not like searching for it. I know what it is. And so if, if mm -hmm. you're in, if you're doing any kind of art, it's like, if you don't know how to define, if you don't know how to like live inside of that or, 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 or be able to execute it or self-actualize it, then that's part of the problem. Like if you can't, if you keep on shifting and you can't find it and you keep on, not that that's not part of the process, but you're not really comfortable. And, and it, it's not, art is never fully comfortable. Like we make a lot of mistakes, what I call happy mm -hmm. accidents. Right. And I don't, I, I call them accidents because that's what, you know, if you just, if you kind of go in a flow state and you let things happen, then you, you can go from there. Right. If you think about a lot of jazz guys like Hancock and Miles, they, they live on the happy accidents. They live in that kind of experimental phase where they, you take that chord change you didn't expect and you go with it instead of stopping and starting. And so if you can get into that flow state and you can accept the present, and you can accept a chord change that you didn't expect or the key change or the tempo change or the polyrhythmic change or whatever. Once you get into that mindset that you look at that as an opportunity, then, then yeah, the happy accidents actually aren't mistakes. It's a progression. Yeah. I think anybody listening right now should just go back and listen to that again. Uh, that was, uh, that was some wisdom when you said, accept the present, and um be able to go with the flow it's 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 really hard for people a lot of people you know i've worked with a lot of folks that struggle with making mistakes and working with accidents and reframing and but that's why i think jazz musicians are the most <laughs> best, like, jazz <laughs> musicians like the best musicians in the world they can play all the classical stuff they at that level but then they can also improvise like who yeah. who can do that? You know, like very few people can can play at that level. Um, and, and I, it's I, like I don't know the, gotta have the plan. You know, a lot of times people have to have the written page. They have to have the know where they're going. Yeah. The cool thing about a jazz guy that like, compared to a classical guy, I ran to a classical guy, and I assumed because he can read Chopin and Beethoven and Bach that he could do what the fusion guys do, and he couldn't because he was looking for it to be written down. And mm -hmm, he, and he mm -hmm. couldn't figure out how to feel it. And everybody mm -hmm, was looking mm -hmm. at him and like, how come he can't feel it? Because he has to have it written down. He can't mm -hmm. intuitively know where to go. If he hears it mm -hmm. in the moment, he had to know 
had to be written out. And I was like, wow, he has the technical capability that he could do it, but his mind is is restrained by the page. He is yeah. restrained by the sheet that he can't get beyond it. And I was like so like flabbergasted. Like he has the capability of playing, but he's like stopping himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and you bring up intuition, listening to your intuition. And uh, that's something that I harp on with, with my clients is like, you don't have to make a decision based on what your intuition is saying. You, you can run it through, through, through another process and, and, and critique it, but you gotta listen. I mean, intuition and especially with creativity, uh, you know, if you're in a, in a job and you feel like you're uh, a square in a circular hole and you're, you're feeling stuck and your intuition is saying, I gotta make a cheese factory. Like I gotta get into making cheese. Like I don't know why I'm feeling that. Like we gotta listen to that, you know. You and and maybe you maybe you're Universe just you something. <laughs> yeah, it's internal. It might be that it's giving you different colors. Like I'm seeing blue and gold. Um, I live near Berkeley, so uh, yeah, yeah. I'm very tuned into the Cal Bears blue and gold colors. Um, but intuitively, like I'm, I'm listening, I'm listening to myself and I'm helping my clients listen to their intuitions and saying, wait, there's probably something pretty valuable there. Um, you may not be able to access it the way that John Coltrane accessed it, uh, but you can train and you can get better. You can get better at accessing your intuition. You can get better at, at taking it seriously. Yeah, it was like it's the kind of that flow state. Like, like I know a lot of authors though do world planning, and I've talked to authors where they do very detailed world world planning and flow and character design. But they've talked about like I did all that, and then I went into a flow state, and then like what I ha did in the flow state changed my plan. Mm -hmm. That that I was willing to let my imagination kind of run wild to go into a flow state, and actually say, well, you know what, I came up with a flow is better than my plan. I think this is where you have to kind of make decisions like, like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I had this idea and then something else comes and you have to be willing to hear it. It's kind of like this thing that Hendrix used to do. He used to say, like, he'd be in a session and he'd go off and do something weird. And people are like, well, what you, that's totally, that's not where we were. And he said, well, the universe gave me this and I could not hear it. He said that a bunch of times to people who were like, what do you mean? But the idea is like that sometimes something happens and you have to be willing to kind of maybe not be so tied to the past and go with what the new thing is. And some people have a hard time with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I work with a lot of folks who are hearing something, if it's intuition, if it's the universe talking to them, and they're struggling. There's there's a there's a dissonance. There's a there's a conflict, and the question is how do, how do you first open up the space, just to consider it? Like we're often so taught, don't even consider it. You can't even consider that kind of a change, you know. So let's just first give space to consider. It's okay. Like we're not doing, we're not making any decisions. We're not. Not taking any action yet. Well, the only thing we're doing is putting opening up a t the the space to talk about 
what 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 is what is your intuition telling you to do what, what where do you want to go uh and then you know then then if then it's about what's the next practical step you know we go from that very open flow state the universe is speaking to okay what's the next actionable step how do you go from um playing a song that you're just feeling you're just feeling the flow and then how do you go from that to uh to being a professional musician or to selling that song or or to creating a, a side hustle that you can con continue the 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 musical process um and a lot, a lot of times it's, it's it is just starting with the idea that okay just give give yourself space to consider it um and then think about what's the first next practical step it could be like have a conversation with your friend who's doing it successfully yeah have a cough with that person well it's also one of the things i find is sometimes who you know uh, a warm connection well, you also need to sometimes have the quiet space because there's so much noise. So one of the times is like a lot of times um, what I find as an artist is like as a foundational thing is like you need to give yourself a space away from the noise so that things can come in. Because if you got too much noise, then things never come in. And so that is, that's a hard lesson today, which people are so plugged in. But it's like if you can give yourself that space and then the next step is to listen to other people, right, to have the feedback loop it's like the beta session for an author or the listening group for a musician or the right you know it, whatever you're doing like a painter's group to like look at what you're doing and, and give you that kind of feedback that yeah whether you listen to it or not but the idea is you have the quiet you have a feedback you have like a, a, a place you can do your pitch your elevator pitch too you can talk to people but also after understanding, like like you, I think you've had this um, question you'd like to be asked is how has your mental health struggles impacted your coaching? I think a lot of people struggle with their own like mental like state, like like whether you're depressed or you're in melancholy or you're frenetic or you have what all, all kinds of issues. That if you don't understand how to address those things, like how can you ever get to a, a good point if you don't uh, assess where you are? Yeah. 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 When you were talking about all kinds of issues, I, I, I was like, yeah, that's me. I got, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've suffered profoundly with um, mental health, with anxiety, panic disorder, uh, depression at times. Um, and when you, when you suffer deeply, profoundly like that, well, for me anyways, it, it punctures something in your soul and, but it teaches you it has taught me something it has ta taught me about what it is to suffer and that that for me has has increased my empathy and my mm. understanding of suffering and how people suffer for different reasons um and and i and i i, I pay a lot of attention to how systems and structures uh create suffering uh like uh racism Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, sexism. Yeah. Uh, these these are systems that create suffering. Uh, and and so when I'm doing coaching, 
that's why it's so important for me to take a holistic view. A, because um, somebody might be struggling with some kind of mental health issue that's going to block them from pursuing a job. So first we got to figure out, well, okay, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to help you fix it, but I'm going to help you identify it and help you connect to the right resources. Like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. maybe a therapist is needed here, but you know, who's the right therapist for you. Um, And then let's also think about the structural barriers that you're facing. If we're not talking about that, then like, like we're missing a huge, huge component of how you're, what, what the struggle is. You know, and if you're if you're a woman in corporate America, yeah. let's look at, you know, who who who's been successful and how do you how do you manage that sexism that's happening on a day to day basis? Um, so definitely my mental health struggles have, have, have taught me about suffering and empathy and uh, about how how do you how do you continue to move forward when you're in a state that's profoundly difficult? But somehow it's, it's really interesting because I've talked to people that totally about individualism and they're saying everything can be solved from the individual standpoint. But I was a sociology major and I kind of understand like a microcosm and a microcosm. Yeah, There's a lot yeah, of things yeah, you yeah. can tr- control as an individual. But if you're in a structure, I'm an African-American. I mean, if you're in a structure and you you have structural racism, you can only do so much in the micro macrocosm, in the microcosm to affect a macrocosm situation like that. Now I've yeah. been in in my career as an analyst. I've been able to be very successful at the analyst level. I've at sometimes tried to get to the managerial level and the, the executive level, and I've hit that that problem where yeah. where I've not been able to go past it because there's a there's a ceiling. I can do everything I can, and I've worked for many many years. But there's a structural problem there that some people don't want to admit. They want to say it's all the individual. And I totally disagree because I've I've fight, been in the fight, still in the fight, and there's something there. And so the people who don't acknowledge <laughs> that aren't acknowledging a reality because maybe they don't understand it or they don't, haven't experienced it. But it, it exists just because you can't see it. Or you didn't experience it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just a thousand percent. Yeah, I also come from kind of a sociology-ish background, interdisciplinary studies, cultural studies, uh, and um, these structures, these systems, uh, absolutely impact the individual. And so, you know, when I'm, I work with individuals and teams and so either one person or a small group and we got to be thinking about how, okay, how do you address, uh, how do you, how do you address these, these larger, uh, systems that, that like you just pointed out are playing in a role in what you can do as an individual and how high you can climb. And, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of white boys up there that are saying, no, wait a second, you know. I don't see color, but you know we're not we're not going to give you this job, you know. Like, come on, please. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, but but so there there are, there are ways. I was in a room one time. Yeah. But no, I was no. Go to ahead. Say, I was just a follow up. I was in a room one time, 
where there is a bunch of guys that I was like trying to get, I was actually at a level where I was like, like a, a, a somewhat of an executive. And I was the only guy in the room that looked like me. And yeah. one of the head guys in the room said, well, you know, that we can have diversity of thought. We don't have to have diversity in terms of ethnicity or race. We can have diversity of thought. And I'm like, really? So you're saying this whole room can be everybody that looks like you and you guys have different points of view and that's good enough. And that's the problem in, in that mindset because they thought that that was okay to yeah. even say it to me being in the room. And I'm like, look at them like, cause that's the problem is that you can't yeah. even get outside of that. Right. So that, yeah. that, that's the, when you try to get to that level, that's the mindset. They didn't think it's fine. There's no problem because yeah. they can't see a problem. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, how do you, how do you, what kind of dust can you, or, or, or water can you put on it so that they can see it? What, what, what can you put on it? Yeah, um, that's the hard, that's the battle. That's the fight. <laughs> that's you know, the battle. Well, right. And then like, as you were saying, there, there are the math macro forces. Um, and you know, it takes some luck, but it, it takes some guile. It takes some courage. Uh, it, but there, there are ways to say, okay, that is a structural, that is a barrier. That's a challenge. But with every challenge, I'm going to make an attempt to get through it or around it or jump over it. Um, and you try and I'm like, of course, I can't even imagine your experience as an African-American man trying to get through that. Um, but with all i'm i'm like i'm still like let's let's see what we can do <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> you know? my whole thing was and, I, I decided what i could do and what yeah. i could do is i could be professionally a consultant and be in the room with those people and not try to play the, the game of trying to be in a role but be a consultant mm -hmm. which means i can still be in the room with those people and i can still affect change but i'm not going to get the title I'm coming in as a consultant. So I said, you know, I can live with that and still make changes and still yeah. be in the room. So I got yeah, in yeah. the room, but I didn't get the title. But, so it's fine, but I'm still there. So I can affect what's going on by put things in their ear and being there. Instead of saying, well, I'm going to just not be there at all. I decided that I would, for the last 25 years, I've been there. Right? So I, I've been able to affect things by being there, by not being so into like, I got to have the title to be there. No. I, I, I did it kind of backdoor. So if you're willing to kind yeah. of, you know, be subversive, subversive in a way and still be in the room, then you have to accept, like you have sometimes, yeah, I can't get everything you want, but you can still influence things. So you have to figure out that balance. That, right? Like this is how you use creativity and, uh, and some like you take a really creative approach to this problem and you figure out a new way to frame it. Like, all right, I can't just go the traditional way because there's this, this obstacle called racism. Well, like what, how am I going to do this differently and, and creatively? Uh, and that, 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 that's such a valuable, that's such good, a good thing to share. Because it it applies to so many different people, not not just people in your position, but other people who are facing similar barriers. It's like 
be creative. What find the side door, the back door, the the window that's open, you know, like where what else, how else can you get into this room and affect change? Um, how else can you get into the position? Yeah. Uh, and that, that I'm real just so when I'm helping yeah. people. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> They were so into the titles, and I said, "Well, if I can still get in the room as a, yeah. in a consultant role, then I'm still in the room." Yeah, and, and some people get so hung up on on position that they lost sight. Of, like, are you going to not even be there, or you're going to get in there? And so that's that's that it's, it's a it's a different mindset, but a creative mindset is willing to look at it that way, where other yes. people got to be in a box. You, you're not willing to look at it, so you won't even do it. So that that's the point of like taking a like a musician kind of creativity, and then using mm -hmm. it in corporate America, and where people yeah. say, "Well, how could that work?" But it can. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta you know you gotta innovate if the the traditional way of going, climbing the ladder isn't working. Where's the other ladder? You know, like let's let's think about how how we can reshape this. And I, I work with clients after having one client, she was struggling so much in her job, didn't even know it. Like our first conversation, we talked for an hour. I think she cried like 55 minutes. Like she had just mm -hmm. so much pent up frustration. And like, and she realized shortly after that, that like, oh, I'm in the wrong place. Like I thought I was in the right place. But there is all these limitations and, and value disalignments. Is that a word? Disalignment? Well, let's just yeah, use it today. Yeah, it's the same Misalignment, idea. thank you. Uh, value misalignments. And she's like, I got to get out, you know? And and that's another way to like say, all right, I'm going to be creative and think about what's, a, what's another. I'm going to go work for a company that's uh, more entrepreneurial, newer, doesn't have such a such a built-in archaic system um I, I i'm gonna work for a company where i can add more of myself be more of myself yeah um I mean, that's and the so, thing. I mean, if you can actually go you know be the consultant route or go and be an entrepreneur or be a, like you know llc and you start doing your own thing and yeah. you start like being out there and you corp the corp and you, like i'm gonna bring my expertise to the table and i yeah. have to be worrying about the yearly review <laughs> which was me was the killer for a lot of my diversity was because they're trying to fit you in a box. And if you're yeah. trying to give this really different point of view, it only works when you're in the consultant space because then mm. they're willing to hear it, but they mm. won't hear it for the employee. But if, what I found is that they would listen to it from the consultant. So that was Why like, okay, well, that's is? their mindset. So it's just their mindset. Their mindset is like, like if you're coming from a consulting the people in that consulting session can say things that the employees can't say because they're going to mm. get the yearly review and they're going to get this and they're going to have these restrictions. So they won't even right, try. Right, 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 right. You're out, you're you're outside going to, of going the... like, Yeah. I'm only on a six month, eight, 12 month, two month thing. So I can tell the truth. And then they're <laughs> willing to listen to me mm -hmm. in that scenario, but they won't even listen to their own people. And I'm like, okay, but I learned that because I was one of those people. Mm -hmm, so it's so mm -hmm. like, so that's weird. It's like, that's how these guys, that's how they operate. So, okay, I learned how they operate and I know how to influence them now. But it's a matter mm -hmm. of like taking a lesson learned and then figuring out what to do with it. And sometimes yeah. like you get these lessons and then you don't know what to do with it or you don't listen to what the universe tells you. Well, maybe you should do this.
Mm-hmm. And, and it's really that creative spark that I think that that's where, how you get to be the Bill Gates and the Steve Jobs and the, you know, Tesla, Elon Musk, is they, you know, they knew how to push things and to be on that bleeding edge. And sometimes they fall off and they don't, they weren't always successful, but the willingness to go with something is, it's, it's the fear factor. That is the difference between the person that stays in the cube and the person that gets out of the cube. You know, yeah. the willingness to kind of sometimes fail or sometimes get the get the no. They say no, but that doesn't mean you don't stop. That you stop because they said no. You keep on going. <laughs> that's right. You know, no is just that's like the that's that's the first that's the first place you go. You know, and you're going back. Uh, yeah, and and I think you're, you're talking about <laughs> courage, right? And courage and being brave, and that's that's just going to be part of anybody's growth, professional growth. Like if you're just trying to go from one level to the next level up, it's going to take some courage and bravery. Uh, and we can think about it wherever you're at. Like this is what I like to. This is why I like to take a holistic approach with my clients. Is and listening to bravery and courage means something different to different people. You know, some yeah, people want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like it, it, and that's so important too. Is to not compare your, yourself to somebody you know who, who like Elon Musk or. or anyone else, even somebody like if you know personally who's done something that that you're really impressed by, it's like bringing courage and bravery to to your challenges, whatever they may be and 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 doing it in chunks yeah. that are realistic, saying, okay, th- this is the world that I'm in right now. I want to go slightly into my disc I want to lean into discomfort in some way to, to achieve some goal that I'm excited to achieve. It's going to take some courage and bravery, but let's not compare to other, what that, what that means for other people. It's really like, what, what does it mean for yeah. you? Well, I think it's brave, you know, cause you pointed out social justice as part of your coaching and that's a brave statement in today's world. You know, because in today's world, there's a lot of people I've talked to that don't want to go there at all, right? You can't mm-hmm. even have the conversation at all. You can't even touch it like a millimeter or they're like, oh, like I don't want to get into that. And I'm like, okay. Well, so I think that's really brave to me in, in this climate, the point that you point you point out that it's part of your, your, your coaching philosophy is that. And, you know, I give you kudos for that because that's a big deal to me <laughs> personally, but. Thank you. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of those things where, uh, it's, it's a core value for me. Um, and if I don't bring it into my work, whatever I'm doing, but if I don't bring it into my work, then something is missing, you know, and, and I've been given a lot. I, I was born into a white, male, straight, middle class. Uh, I got a lot of gifts that I didn't work for. And um, and then I've been blessed in many ways 
and worked hard for stuff. And it, it's just part of giving back, I think, is recognizing that um, there are these there are these sociological elements to to the way individuals um, operate in life, and uh, they're not they're not always fair or just. Like we're seeking justice, um, and that you know, hopefully that shows up in uh, that. There's the possibility that that shows up in everybody's work. You don't have to be an activist you know, who's, you know, yeah. organizing mar marches every day to bring yeah. a social justice perspective into the world. Um, and especially as a white guy, I just think it's so important. Like, yeah, like most white coaches, white men, white male coaches, uh, they, they just, they don't, they don't talk about it because they don't need to talk about it. It doesn't affect them, you know, it doesn't <laughs> affect us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so when they think it's, it's easy to ignore, turn, turn off the customer. <laughs> but also, it's like it, like well, that's not going to be marketable. So you get, like, it gets into like a marketing concept. Like, well, I want to be able to market to certain areas, and I don't want to hit the hit the rail. If I hit the rail, then I'm going to lose business. So I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. like okay, it's a choice. So you make a choice because you don't want to be controversial. You don't want to you want to like take anybody off. So they, they, they just don't talk about it, but they don't understand. It's like when you perpetuate that, then you yes. don't actually help change it because you're right. too scared to touch the real. Like if you don't touch yeah, it, then yeah. nobody talks about it. So my whole thing to me is like the, the revolutionary thing that I pointed out to a lot of young people that I talk to is instead of just rejecting working in corporate America, find a way to get in and be in a room. Yeah. Right. You can get in a room and you get that experience, then you can take it away and do whatever you want. But you should try to get that experience to understand the structure. And yeah. it's kind of like you're in there, like you go overseas and you you experience the world. If you experience what it is, then you get the first hand knowledge of like this is what it is. And mm -hmm. then you can start to like understand where the problems are. Mm -hmm. So if you first hand knowledge of actually experience it, then then you can go and try to come up with structures and maybe you can do from within maybe you have to do it without but you you should try to get into it to just figure it out and people are like why would you do that well they think about it <laughs> yeah yes there are a lot of advantages to getting into something understanding the culture of something um especially if we're talking about mainstream kind of mostly white male corporate America. It's like one of the way that can change, and there are several ways to change it, I think, but one of the ways is to be in the room, like you said, and to say, hey, wait, <laughs> yeah, your diversity of thought is, is, yeah. is pretty limited in scope when, you know, like the five of you grew up together and went to the same college. Like, yeah, yeah, so what do you guys all think? <laughs> like, you guys are all Delta Pfizer, Alpha, whatever, <laughs> you know, like, okay, really? But, um, yeah, yeah, like, it's like, like, that's why women have been making strides to get into management and, you know, the success stories. Like you said, if you meet a woman CIO or CEO or CTO, what you know what is very beneficial is for them to go and to have mentor sessions with other women and go to the yep. colleges find the young women coming out of mba programs coming out of these you know to try to you know take somebody under your wing 
and give them the, you know, I've seen a lot of people do that. I've seen people go and they go back and they get the young kids just coming out and they get them under their wing and they give them the benefit that that's really worth a lot. If when you, when you do that, 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 then, then you give somebody a role model, then you show them the path and you give them your experience. And there's a lot of wealth in that kind of coaching too. For sure. That kind of mentoring. And I think one of the challenges with that is like, we're asking these people who have been successful to do so much, right? Like you gotta, not only do you have to do your job well and fight through all the BS to get to the point where you get the, get into the room that you want to be in and get the salary you want. And then we're asking you to go back and, and mentor. And, and there's just like, that's where other people have to step up. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, when people go back and mentor younger people and tell them, Hey, like, I, look at me, I look like you and I've, I've done this, I've accomplished this thing. That is so that is so powerful. Um, and then also it's, it's just gotta be exhausting. For example, to be a black woman yeah. who's, you know, made it in, in, um, finance to then, you know, go and say, go back to every college and high school and middle school and say, you know, like you got to fight through all of this and you can do it. Um, but yeah, yeah so it was, it's up to all of us to, to, but it's good that you have like people like yourself that provide people coaching to understand like your empathy, like your understanding of your own situation, your own struggles. And I think that's why people become teachers. They become mentors. They become life coaches because they learn that they can do beyond what is only for them. Yes. You can go and take that and, and apply it. So that's where, you know, you know, in your position, you can you can help somebody figure out a strategy to be successful, um, even if they don't meet that that CTO, that CIO, that CFO. Mm -hmm. right? they, they can take and talk to somebody like yourself, and and start to think about like what could we do, you know? And, and it's good to have that oral conversation because I think that's how people learn. People can read it in a book, but when you actually have a talk with another human being, then you really start to get it. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I think that is so fundamental and huge. Just have it, just having another human being where you can vocalize and have that conversation. That's a game changer. That That's where I think these webinars and podcasts, what I've been doing all these podcasts, because to me it's like, I'm getting so much wealth of information. It's like, I'm getting like a thousand hours of other people's ideas getting into my head through oral history, which mm -hmm. is the traditional human way of learning. So we got yeah. a thousand hours of talking to people all over the world that <laughs> affects my brain and affects my development. And it helps me, I think, understand things and be able to talk to people. It's given, and I've been able to yeah. take the benefits of doing this podcast and use it in my business where people said, well, you're getting better at communication, Jones. Like, well, how's that? <laughs> like, well, maybe it's because the podcast. Maybe you're practicing. Talking to people. Like, you're, you're yeah, doing you're it. actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. And a really good lesson. Like, yeah, why are you getting better? 
because you're doing it. It's like not shocking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's the benefit. It's like, even if you didn't make any money from doing a podcast, the benefit of the oral history you're getting from the communication with people is like taking all these master classes. And yeah. that's why it's like, I'm taking all these master classes from all these people that know what they know. And I didn't know it. And I'm learning something new every day. And so yeah. that in itself is valuable. Maybe not monetarily, you can't calculate it, but it's super valuable. Super valuable. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to uh, overstate how important and what a, what a resource that is, is to, to hear from people and gather from their expertise. And that's one of the things that like, I, I may not be able to speak from experience um, on a lot of these subjects, but we got this thing called the internet and there's a lot of, you know, videos and people talking about this stuff. And so part of my job is to curate that information and say, check out this video, check out this person, mm -hmm. you know, like this specific talk by this specific person, I think is going to be helpful to you. Um, oh wow yeah but i i can't like yeah and the the fact that this we now live in this remote world and there's lots of pros and cons but one of the pros is how incredibly international it can be and national like we're just i'm you know having conversations all the time with clients that are all over the world and uh that yeah, that is fascinating and amazing yeah, that's just so incredible. But the cross-cultural impact, you know, to learn. Yeah, I mean, to learn, like, if you're talking to somebody in Asia, you're learning Eastern points of view or Middle Eastern points of view or Eastern Europe or, you know, anywhere you talk to, like Africa, you get these different perspectives that you wouldn't get. Like, I'm in New Hampshire. If I talk to people in New Hampshire, I'm going to get the New Hampshire point of view. Here's the the <laughs> North and the, the East Coast point of view. And that's what it is. That's fine. But it's like if I get I get to talk to people in Japan and South Korea, and you know I've talked to people in Israel, I've talked to people all over the world, and you just get different ideas that it's not as limiting as if you just talk to your neighbor. Not that I don't like talk to my neighbor, but I, if I get when I get yeah. these other points of view, it just opens up the world beyond, you know, just New Hampshire. <laughs> Yeah. yeah 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 yeah. like i love my neighbors they got some good 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 thoughts uh i love you know I, I don't think i haven't been to new hampshire recently uh lots of good people in new hampshire uh but yeah there's like you talk to somebody from a different country who's grown up with a completely different experience you get the different perspective you get different ideas and a lot of times you can incorporate those ideas into your own work and approach your own challenges well we actually hit our <laughs> we we hit our hour <laughs> mark which is always goes by faster than i think but um well, i let people know about your website again tonylettercoaching.com and maybe you can tell people like if they click on that link when it's clickable which it will be as soon as we're published uh what will they find there uh, I recently completed a video with a buddy of mine who's a great 
um, director, producer, and it's a great introduction to my philosophy of coaching. And uh, you'll see how I work with people, um, uh, what my value system is, uh, more of what you've heard today. If you got to this point and you're still listening, like, thank you, kudos. That's incredible. yeah, and I, I also spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, and LinkedIn is such a boring place to hang out. So come on and visit me at LinkedIn. Uh, Tony Leonard Coaching um, is on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's good video content and written content. And, um, I love helping people solve human problems. So um, yeah, reach out. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. Uh, we love to have um, everybody hear new points of view. And uh, I think a, a lot of people could benefit from your point, of, uh, your type of coaching where you're curating things and you're offering services. So I, I encourage people to check out your link. It will be fully clickable and, uh, you know, get on, get on a path with you to maybe book some services or different things that you do. And uh, I want to thank you again for being on the show and have a good night. Thank you so much.